We are looking for an opportunity that's really going to make a difference for an artist. How are you going to leverage it? Who's going to see you while you're there? It's, it's more than just, hey, I got a gig abroad. It's, hey, I got this opportunity abroad and it could potentially open this door and this door and this door for me. We need to talk about songs. Somebody has to make Hi everybody, it's Bob Ost. Welcome to True. This is the True Community Gathering on Friday, March 11th, a date that's easy for me to remember because it's my birthday. So uh, this is how I'm celebrating my birthday with all of you. In case you don't know us, we uh, we do this every week. We've been doing this is like our 95th or 96th consecutive week. We started in April 17th in 2020 because, well, we just didn't know what to do with ourselves. We were in shutdown and people were feeling isolated and I was having email conversations with a few people about how difficult it was. And um, I realized that everybody really was feeling lonely and a little helpless. And so I asked if anybody would like to come into a Zoom room at Friday at 4.30. And I got like dozens and dozens of people saying, yes, 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 yes. So we started our Zoom meetings Fridays at 4.30 and April 17th. And we've been talking about a lot of stuff over the past two years. It really is almost, it's, it's almost a two-year anniversary at this point, isn't it? Our conversations originally were about how to be creative during COVID, how to deal with the, the isolation and the loneliness, how to feel a part of a community when you're stuck in your apartment and, and having to isolate. Uh, we've moved beyond that now. We now are able to talk about things that go beyond shutdown and pandemic. We seem to be at the end of that. The world isn't getting any easier. We now are dealing with the realities of what's going on in, in the Ukraine, and that breaks many of our hearts, if not all of our hearts. But we are able to talk about things that are happening live. This is a, we're having a conversation today that wouldn't necessarily have been relevant a year ago. We're gonna talk about touring. We're gonna to talk about things that you can't do on virtual. You have to get out there and do it if you're gonna be actually touring. There are ways of being more worldly, uh, available to people, populations that aren't nor normally available through virtual, which is one, one of the reasons we do what we're doing, because we now get to see people in Australia and England and East Coast, West Coast, Canada, it doesn't really matter. People just join us here. So that's a great thing. But it's time for a lot of us to think about stepping out into the real world, possibly unmasked, we hope. I want you to meet a couple people that are going to talk about touring. I'm gonna bring them in right now. Welcome to the room, Robin Bush, Valerie David, and Heather Massey. Robin Bush, I'm gonna start with you because you're a service organization. You provide a lot of things that are useful for, for performers, uh, and I don't think enough people know about you. You're with the Mid-Atlantic Arts Foundation. Do I have that right? We dropped the name Foundation recently because we are not a true foundation with a oh, big okay. pot of money in the trunk. But yes, Mid-Atlantic Arts for a service organization, a nonprofit. Yes, and pay attention to the name. It's Mid-Atlantic Arts. So they, they service a specific population. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and a little bit more about Mid-Atlantic Arts? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to start by saying hello. It's nice to meet everyone. Great to hear about all of your respective projects. And thank you so much, Bob, for having me here on your birthday of all days. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm delighted to meet Valerie in person and say hello again to Heather. It's just a pleasure to be in a room full of such talented and creative individuals. It's, it's energizing. So it's, it's nice to see you all. 
Mid-Atlantic Arts is one of the six regional arts organizations in the United States. Our efforts primarily support artists and arts organizations in the Mid-Atlantic region, which is defined as New York down to Virginia and also includes the U.S. Virgin Islands. However, we also run a handful of national and international programs. I say we are one of six regional arts organizations because I also heard that there are some folks joining us today from across the country. We work in partnership and sistership, if you will, with those other six regional arts organizations, which include New England Foundation for the Arts. So anyone up in New England, that's NIFA. Uh, there's South Arts down in the South, Arts Midwest, Mid-America, Arts Alliance in the center of the country, and Westaff on the West Coast. So I encourage you to check those out. I can, when I'm not talking, I can drop them into the chat as well. Just, regional, just, curi just curious, yeah, is, anybody, is anybody left out in the continental United States? It sounds like you've got everything covered there. No, yeah. So we... The regional arts organizations were created in collaboration with the National Endowment for the Arts. We are similar to states arts agencies, but where states arts agencies are public entities, we are all nonprofits. So that allows us some flexibility to do types of funding between private and public partnerships. So touring, for example, where a state arts agency or a local arts agency would need to keep their funding within their jurisdiction, our organization and our sister organizations work to move the arts throughout our regions and across borders, whether those borders be county, state, national, and in my case, international. So that's a little bit of a overview. Of that's, a, that's a great overview. As some of you may have noticed, uh, Heather's getting ready for a performance tonight. <laughs> So I want to, I'm going to bring Heather into the conversation in a moment, but I'm not going to interrupt her while she's doing her eyes. I think it would be too dangerous. <laughs> but I, I want you to meet Heather Massey is the reason why I actually know Robin. I functioned, True functioned as a fiscal sponsor for Heather, for his, her play, Hedy, The Life and Adventures of Hedy Lamar. And it was because I sponsored her, she was able to actually apply to Mid-Atlantic Arts. Robin, why don't you jump in for a second and talk about the application process and what the grant is that we're talking about. I could tell, I, you could probably say it better than I can. Sure, so the program he's referring to is one of the programs at Mid-Atlantic, but it is a national program. So artists nationwide are eligible to apply. It's called US Artists International. It's run in collaboration with the National Endowment for the Arts. It is a very unique program and that we support artists going to perform abroad at the international festivals and performing arts markets. The grants are for up to $18,000 for really to support career transforming opportunities. And so Heather was a beneficiary of that program. Yes, and a very grateful one indeed. Let me ask you something. When you get grant applications, what do you look for? Sure. For, so for funding? <laughs> sure. So each program is a little bit different. Again, we're a nonprofit and because we're dealing with public funds, we do not have the same leeway that perhaps a private funder might have where they just kind of pick and choose. We do have public panelists that we recruit to help evaluate the applications. Individual program officers don't make those decisions. We have public published criteria for each of the programs that we support. And the panelists are really looking at the applications they receive and comparing them to the published criteria and evaluating which applications meet those applications the best. 
In terms of USAI and what we're looking for, we're really looking for artists that perhaps have a footprint touring, whether that be regionally or domestically, and who this particular opportunity at this time in their career is really going to be an impactful opportunity. And that's going to be defined very differently by different types of artists, but we're looking for an opportunity that's really going to make a difference for an artist. How are you going to leverage it? Who's going to see you while you're there? It's, it's more than just, hey, I got a gig abroad. It's, hey, I got this opportunity abroad and it could potentially open this door and this door and this door for me. And our criteria are specifically artistic excellence and artistic merit. And then we break those down one by one in our guidelines for folks so they really know what we're looking for. So I'm going to ask Heather to give me some sort of signal when she can actually speak. Is it now? Okay. Do you want to talk about a, a little bit about, about your, um, yes. your, your so plan? You, you get a little window into my life. I wanted to have my whole face on before, before this happened, but uh, you know, that doesn't always happen. So yes, I am extremely honored to have gotten a USAI grant. Just so you know, this all takes tenacity. This was my fifth time applying for this one. I Finally got in, Robin! <laughs> yay! So, yay! She's been talking to me for ages. I met her at a booking conferences, always a ray of sunshine. So this is, I am going to be going to the Finn Fringe Festival in Turku, Finland. And the reason why you want to specifically show how this engagement is going to advance your career, how it's going to bring you forward as an artist. And so the things for me with this one is to go to a new country, to go to Finland. I haven't been there before. And the festival is going to work with me to reach out to universities uh, several universities so that I can return the following year and perform for those universities. That's why this particular engagement is an important one for me. So uh, should I speak a little bit about then what I do? Let's sort of spread the wealth for a second. I want to introduce Valerie, okay, who's sitting there very, very, very patiently. So Valerie, tell us a little bit about who you are, and, and you don't have to tell me, but tell everybody else. about. Um, and have you ever applied to Mid-Atlantic Arts? I'm going to apply this year because I'm going to Iceland in August. So I am applying. So I'm really excited. And grants are a really great way to go. I was recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council grant and the Capital City grant as well. Were so those that, grants that were also for, for touring? These were local, but this one is for touring. But it's always good to get grants because anyway, you know, for touring or not touring. So it's, but I know this I is- make it, I make it a, a, a policy never to turn down a grant. Yeah, no, yeah, never turn down. To know that. Never turn down a good cup of coffee and a good grant. That's that's my uh, motto. Coffee, coffee talk, and coffee grants. It's a great way to go. And I've been. I'm walking. failing. I'm failing. I'm sorry. Fulfilling, um, and happy birthday. I owe you a, a happy birthday cup of coffee. There's so many really wonderful things with touring and something really exciting that I wanted to share with everyone that's going to be starting to tour as well. I have a new solo show called Baggage from Baghdad. And I'm actually going to be applying with the Pink Hulk for the Mid-Atlantic. Well, Maybe. tell us what the Pink Hulk is so, yeah, so people sure. will have pink, a context. The Pink Hulk, and I'm wearing my superhero cape. It's about my being a three-time cancer survivor, award-winning show, and it's about fighting back adversity in life. And my motto is, uh, cancer diagnosis only means one thing, time to get laid. So it's funny and inspiring, and that's why it's been resonating with audiences, and I'm really proud of it. It's been the love of my life, and I wear this cape in the show. So it's all about, and we need hope more than ever now, and it's about not giving up and 
beating cancer three times, even a stage four metastatic breast cancer diagnosis, I have no evidence of disease, not there. So it's really been a wonderful experience to be able to give people hope. And it's not just about cancer. It's about fighting back any adversity in life. Thanks for giving us a little context for that. I'm trying to figure out how to do I know that, that Heather has to leave at 6.15. Is that right? Sure, yes. I have a show at seven, so <laughs> Hetty yeah. takes a bit of moments to get, but all together. <laughs> ah, we're seeing the evolution of Hetty. This is very exciting. I mean, this is an inside view of, of <laughs> Hetty, the life and inventions of Hetty Lamar. We're seeing no, it backstage. One, it's the first time viewing of the preparation. <laughs> I want to talk to both of you, and I'm going to come back to you, Robin, and we're going to talk more about your other programs, but let's focus on the touring right now. I want you to both talk about how you develop your solo pieces and what made you, well, I know enough people who do solo shows who think it's going to be impossible to try to tour them. They just, some of them just give up the, the word go, but you guys <laughs> didn't. You guys looked for your opportunities, made your opportunities, and really made a name for yourself with your shows. Both of you have been doing your shows for quite a many years. How long has Hetty been on? About five and a half. I premiered November 2016. Mm-hmm. And Valerie, how long have you been doing Pink Hulk? Um, June of 2016, about five and a half years. And it, it's been great. And I think the key is to really believe in what you're doing and also keep developing it. I think that a lot of people, and it's not just solo shows, but people get really discouraged but you have to have faith in yourself and have a team of people who have faith in you. And it's not an easy road, but once you go down that road, there's no going back and it's the greatest experience. You just have to not get discouraged and you'll get knocked down many times. You won't get into festivals. A pandemic will happen. But you have to keep going and just know that what you're doing is making a difference. So let's talk about the path. You both started your shows here in Manhattan, correct? Robin, I was going to ask you this. When you talked about funding opportunities to take your shows internationally, have you funded often for people that have gone to the Edinburgh Festival Fringe? Edinburgh Fringe is kind of a unique circumstance. Just because there are really limited funds, it's a little bit more of a difficult case to make in a panel room because panelists are really looking for opportunities that can have a really transformative impact. And we're looking for festivals that are kind of putting their money where their mouth is too. And Fringe puts a lot of the onus and burden and risk on the artists themselves. So there are Fringe opportunities that do, you know, box office share and whatnot, but Fringe can be a more difficult pitch in order to get grant support for just because so much of that financial risk is borne by the artists themselves. And in some cases is considered a self-produced opportunity. So we always encourage folks that if they're looking specifically at a fringe opportunity, that they reach out to us to talk about eligibility, to make sure it meets guidelines. Otherwise, any sort of like curated festival opportunity is generally eligible, but we have the guidelines on our website. I can link to them too. Can I chime in? Yeah, I will say that by the time I learned about the grant, the USAI grant, it took me a couple years to have something I could apply with because you have to be accepted enough of a time period ahead of time and know you can get a letter of invitation so that you can apply. Plus, French festivals do not usually qualify because usually you have to pay a very high participation fee. 
Whereas with the Nordic Fringe Festivals and maybe some of the other ones, they support your work more so that it's at a level that it qualifies to apply. So it takes some time and some effort. I spent like two days reading all the guidelines the first time I knew about it. So it takes an investment of time and looking forward and really doing your research. Yes, and, and I think too, to piggyback, and Heather's exactly right, you also have to be very specific with what the grant asks of you. You need to really hone in on what exactly your purpose is and how the grant will be used. A lot of the time you have a convoluted message and you have to be really, really, really specific on what your show can bring and what it will do. It's not just, I have this great show, you should really see it. It's what community engagement activities can you do? What can you do to help the community that you bring your show to? Well, that, that think, applies to all theater, not just right, but for shows grant, yeah, but no, no, for, no, for grants, I'm talking about for yeah. when people apply for grants, theater companies, not-for-profit theater companies, when they mm -hmm. apply for grants, everything you're saying is relevant to right. them when they're going through the application process as well. One thing we didn't say with Mid-Atlantic Arts, you need a fiscal sponsor or a 501c3 for you to give the, the money. Is that correct? Yeah. And again, that has to do with the involvement of National Endowment for the Arts Fund. So it does sound intimidating to folks in the beginning. Oh, fiscal sponsor, what's that? We're happy to help folks with that process. The idea here is not that it becomes a barrier to applying. So we do, I would say about 50% of our applicants apply with fiscal sponsors of all shapes and sizes. And about 50% of our grantees are also fiscally sponsored. Yeah, so I was we happy. have resources on the website about that. I was happy to, to sponsor Heather when she asked me about that. Just so everybody knows, we do limited fiscal sponsorship. True does do fiscal sponsorship. We basically restrict it to our membership. It depends on how many we're doing at the time that you ask. We don't want to do more than probably three or four at the same time. It's a huge amount of work. Fractured Atlas does hundreds of them, but they have a whole staff that does it. I've got right. Jay. <laughs> it's yeah, me and, and Jay. And I wanted to say I am a member of Fractured Atlas, and I know Bob is great too to fiscally sponsor. So there are options that people have to look into for fiscal sponsors. We're very scrupulous fiscal sponsors. We actually keep a separate bank register for you, and we discourage you from getting reimbursed. We want to pay your vendors directly. We want to be able to keep an eye on what's going on. We do a lot of bookkeeping for you, which not every fiscal sponsor does. Let's go back to where you got the idea that you could take your show outside of Manhattan. And did you start off with the United States and Canadian Fringe Festivals? Where did you start? What were your first steps? I started in New York. And I think the other thing is to also have a lot of readings for your show before you get it up on your feet, because it's important not to have your I, ha I have to say something. You said, get it up on your feet. And I almost said, with a solo performer, you are getting it up on your feet. You were absolutely on your right. Feet, you are right. You, so you I, used that used that intentionally, didn't you? I did. I did. You got me. You caught me. And I love I, that. You caught me. Yes. And then I actually, Heather and I have toured eight times together. So to be honest, I think that the two of us started going out of the U.S. with each other. And I think that was also such a great support. And each of us helped each other. She got me into solo, Sarah solo. I got her in the Indie Diva Fest. So we kind of helped each other. 
And I think it's really great to network as a solo show performer. It gets a little lonely because a lot of times you're on your own. And so it's great to have this community. So I started doing it outside of the U.S. because I felt that the response was so strong. I felt like I did have this universal message of hope and empowerment that would transcend audiences that English wasn't their first language. And I've gotten a lot of awards, but it's not about the awards. That's just the validation. It's about the awards showed that there were, and Heather's gotten so many awards too, that people are being moved and touched by our shows. And then for different reasons, you know, we each have different shows, but the point is how you feel and how the audience take it from the audience. And you get a lot of love from the audience. And then it inspires you to bring that love abroad and to keep going with it. So I'm going to keep pushing a little bit for some how-to steps. I want to see if we can get to a couple of things that people can do if they're thinking yeah, about touring their shows. Okay. Yeah. Can I answer that, that yeah. previous question? And then, well, and there's sort of some how-tos in this as well. So my show is Hetty, The Life and Inventions of Hetty Lamar. And I wanted to feature a woman in science because science is a passion of mine. I wanted to be an astronaut before I became an actor. So I wanted to feature a woman in science. So Hedy Lamar, the famous Hollywood film star who also invented technology for torpedoes during World War II that we use in all of our wireless communication. Having the work rooted in a mission is important. I know some of you are speaking that as well. So my mission is to inspire audiences to make the world a better place, especially to encourage young women in science and technology and to establish Hedy Lamar as a role model for intelligence, ingenuity, and invention. So yes, I started in New York City. I started with United Solo at Theater Row, and I knew Hetty would be a very good festival show where it would bring in audience because there are tons of interest groups. So I developed it through festivals, which was really a wonderful development experience. And it also, for me, garnered review quotes and awards Gratefully, it spoke to people, 22 awards and grants for the show. And so you use those things and you build on them and you build forward to use those things to then sell your show. So eventually, Valerie and I were moving into bookings. So also having a partnership, having somebody to call and cry on their shoulder when something doesn't go right, that's what Valerie and I do for each other. So that's important. So then I started moving into bookings, starting with universities, and you just... Think of somebody that you know in a particular organization that might have interest in what you do and you reach out to them. But that starts with making so a let's, list. So let's put, let's draw a line underneath that. So yeah. one way to expand beyond your New York area is to start thinking about playing the college circuit and getting booked around the country in colleges sure. and universities. And colleges and universities. And you can start with where you went to school. May I just say, because I've been through this yes, with did. so many people over the years. Uh-huh. You do ask to be paid for this when you. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Okay. And because I know a lot of people are very shy about that, and and it's not necessary. (laughs) You have to just ask for what you have to cover your costs at least, and it's nice if you can get some money for yourself. And not just covering the costs like a fee, but also we include transportation, lodging, getting the tech person. You try to make sure that all those expenses are covered because you don't want to get a fee and then have all your profit go to taking care of everything else, even a food stipend. You should definitely ask for what you need 
to do your show. And with Heather, she started at United Solo. I started at Planet Connections and she's absolutely right. It's so great to keep developing your show. And every state, every city, every country has a Fringe Festival. If anyone wants to get in touch with me, I'll put my email. I have a list of Fringe Festivals. I also have a dummy contract that I use that I'd be happy to share once you do start touring and also their press releases and and those where what Heather mentioned, getting your quotes and awards as fuel to keep your show going and to keep interviews, podcasts, all these things help with your show and help to promote your show. Because I know for me, I wanted to be a role model to help people with cancer and any adversity in life to help them. So I also would contact cancer hospitals, cancer support groups, organizations. So whatever your show is based on, find what kind of community engagements activities you could do. So in addition to the show, when you go abroad, think about doing an improv class with university students, which I did in Gothenburg, Sweden. I was able to do a session of improv and doing writing courses. So try to think outside the box of not just doing your show when you tour, but engaging with the community and doing community engagement activities. And going to my high school, when I went to Virginia Beach, I did the show and then I did a lecture for students at my high school. So that's really something that's so unique that you can do with touring that people don't think about. It's not just the show. You're more than the show. It becomes a mission. It becomes your passion to do more than the show. And I think it's so wonderful to learn so much about another community in another country in another state. I'm going to throw in a few other places that I know people get booked before I go back to Mid-Atlantic. And we're going to talk about a lot of their programs, not just the touring programs. I know a lot of people get booked in libraries. Have you ever played libraries? And they pay. Again, they pay. I, I have not done libraries. I do have... I have thought about it, but for my show, it just doesn't pay enough because I would have to hire somebody to go with me. So I haven't sought those out. But I will say, when you really want to go forward with other places, really look at your show. Brainstorm every single interest group that would be interested because I love going on to college campuses because I can pull in so many different interest groups. So in that way, you broaden your scope of what venues you can play beyond just traditional spaces. Because I have a science theme, I play not only theaters and arts festivals and performing arts centers, but science festivals, science centers, museums, schools, universities, libraries, (laughs) Jewish centers, STEM and STEAM events, technology conferences, And I've taken the show around the world. I've done nine countries so far, and Finland will be my 10th. Have you counted how many performances you've done? Oh my God, I can't remember. I've I've done it for some grant applications, probably around 200 shows and outreach events for probably about 16,000 people so far. Valerie, do you have a ballpark for you? I've gone to four countries and 23 different U.S. cities. I need to do a tally. So (laughs) yeah, five and a half years, I'm pretty up there with performances. Um, Oh, you still remember them. (laughs) I know. Yeah. You know, I need to do a huge tally, but you know, it's something that's so special to do. And Heather, you know, like she's saying, find the interest groups. I've done it for a university, the nursing department as an educational tool for how nurses can be educated on cancer patients and what they learn 
to walk in the shoes of a cancer patient. And one of the nurses said, I'm a better nurse watching this because of sensitivity training that you showed me in your show where you were not treated with respect while that happened, while you were getting diagnosed. And then it was like, wow, that's something I didn't think about when the nurses and doctors were seeing it at Rhode Island College. So it's really important to do it at hospitals. And I'm a Jewish woman, so I did it at the JCC before. So it's really, Heather's absolutely right. I'm piggying back and yes, anding, finding those interest groups to do the show and finding specific things specific to your show, your individual show. So we're hearing from a, uh performance point of view from Valerie and from Heather. Robin, you have an overview. You basically see hundreds of people that are doing their art here, there, and everywhere. What are some of the the things that you would like to advise people in terms of touring and, and getting outside of their comfort zone? They both, Heather and Valerie, have made really fantastic points. In terms of starting out touring, I think that they have covered the major bases and to really be creative about the way you approach potential funders or places that you might not think of performance. I mean, Valerie just mentioned the JCC. That's a fantastic example. If you're not used to touring, like that's a great, great place to start to negotiate smaller contracts to begin with and then get bigger and bigger from there. The next thing would be to try to make a presence at those booking conferences, that there are national booking conferences that take place. The touring field, just like every other field in the performing arts, has taken a pretty big hit. But if you are based in the New York area, there is APAP that occurs every year. It is a just, big... Just to, just to say that, I have APAP coming on April 1st. Okay. So if everybody wants, oh, fantastic. To, wants to meet yeah. Sue Noseworthy and hear her talk about APAP. Great. We could do a whole few sessions on just booking conferences. Yeah. And I was going to say, booking conferences are a big deal. I would say if you're new to booking conferences, to start at the smaller ones in some cases. I think that sometimes you can make more relationships and more contacts if you start at the smaller ones before moving up to APAP, which is a really behemoth conference. But that's a great place to not only meet presenters, but also agents, network with other artists. And from there, you know, if you're looking to grow your career abroad, there's also international presenters that frequently attend conferences like APAP. So I don't know if that covered what you were thinking, Bob, there. Was that? It, well, I don't know enough. Yeah, that's, why I have you, that's why I have you here. <laughs> that's why you're here. Well, I, I have that on my list, booking conferences. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, touring, it completely depends on your work. Not every piece in the theater, especially not every piece is made for touring and that's okay. You know, you got to figure out what works for you. What makes the most sense. It might make sense for you to continue to work individually, or it might make sense for you to work with an agent specifically for booking touring gigs. There are agents that specialize in smaller projects in scaling those projects just completely depends on what your objectives are with your project and with your career. I would strongly advise that if your project has got some traction, if you aren't working to secure grant support to tour, that you consider exploring it. Because domestically, there is a regional touring program. It is funds that are allocated by the National Endowment for the Arts every year, a pot of money in every region, specifically to help support touring within those regions. And there's a pot of money in every region. So reach out to your regional arts organization where you are located and say, hey, 
what does this look like in your region and how do I tap into it? Some of it is oriented towards presenters and not individual artists, but some regions have more of a partnership opportunity where individual artists join a roster with a touring project and then presenters help pick from that roster. So there's a lot of different shapes and sizes it can take, but definitely reach out to your regional arts organization to connect with those opportunities. And let me clarify something for everybody, because we've basically been talking about this ostensibly from a solo performance point of view. Yeah. There are opportunities for funding. It, it doesn't necessarily require that it be a solo performance. Is that correct? Oh yeah, completely. In fact, Jane mentioned that she helped produce Is This a Room? And we also supported Half Straddle. We gave them multiple grants to help tour that project internationally. So yeah, absolutely. Ensembles, solo projects, I would say we see a lot less of actually, but U.S. Artists International supports music, dance, and theater. And sadly, there's just not, we don't see as many applications for theater touring. So apply, there's funding. <laughs> okay. Should I chime in just with any other questions you have? And so I just want to point out to the room that not only are you having a conversation today, but you are actually seeing the backstage workings <laughs> of, of the creation of Hedy Lamar. Oh my God. <laughs> You're seeing all the ugly moments. Yeah, I, so think, I think we're very privileged to be seeing this actually. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm a little I'll, right I'll be, I've learned a lot of tricks about putting on my own makeup now. Uh, well, you know, I could have done better with the blocking the eyebrows today. I'm a little wrinkly. I had a student from Binghamton University came in. Oh, so I think some, I'm not reading the chat. I just don't have enough time in brain cells. But I'm right now at Goodwill Theater and the Shore Family Playhouse, I think. The Shore Family Firehouse stage with Goodwill Theater in Johnson City, New York. So it's an old firehouse. So just a couple of things I wanted to say. Yeah, start with people you have connections with, or you know someone in another country, or you know, well, hey, or you just do research and contact someone. That works out sometimes. In terms of the festivals, you can look up the Nordic Fringe Network, the World Fringe Network, and CAFF, C-A-F-F, Canadian Association of Fringe Festivals. I think those are good ones. And I just say that I love to do the international touring because I get to go places that I would love to travel, but I get to do my work. And when I get to do my work, I get to be a part of the community. I like to spend time more than just the performance days wherever I travel and try to be part of the community, get to know the people. Tonight, I'm doing a private performance sponsored by IBM for women in STEM and girls in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So that's very exciting. And it means I have friends around the world. I have a goddaughter in Zimbabwe. And recently, I've been speaking a lot with my friends in Kiev, in Ukraine, because I was there exactly two years ago working. The theater there is now a bomb shelter, and they're calling it the art shelter. And that means when things happen around the world, you have a vested interest in your friends. And it's heartbreaking many times, but it also makes you an incredible citizen of the world. Thank you. Ralph Lewis wants to know if any of you know about the Eventotron, if you have any. Eventotron, yeah, that is, yeah, Eventotron, you can look that up. A lot of festivals are using that for applications now. Hedy, Hedy, do you want to take your leave now and we'll. I shall. Sorry, I wasn't more beautiful for you, but I have to be so for the girls in a moment. So thank you for the honor of being here. Yeah, a craziness, but I decided to take the opportunity and you get the behind the scenes look. And there's so many other things we could talk about, but the other two experts will fill you in. Thanks. Thanks. Break a leg, Heather. Thanks, Heather. Break a leg, Heather. Thanks. Robin, yeah. I want to move back to Mid-Atlantic Arts. I want you to tell us a little bit more about the breadth of the programming you do, because I know you do a lot. 
Sure. Yeah. My portfolio specifically works on international. So I'll start with mine first. So U.S. Artists International, obviously, we have three annual grant rounds for that program. So as Heather said, if you don't succeed the first time, try, try again. In addition to U.S. Artists International, which annually provides about a million dollars in support to send U.S. artists abroad every year, I also oversee the Performing Arts Global Exchange Program. So if we think about U.S. Artists International as an opportunity to create export opportunities, this is the reverse. So the Performing Arts Global Exchange Program brings in artists from abroad. So it's more of an import program. I hate using those terms, but people tend to understand immediately what I'm talking about. So Performing Arts Global Exchange helps facilitate the booking of international artists for U.S. presenters, especially those that are out located outside of major metropolitan areas. It's a roster program that helps presenters book artists. So I will say also, if you're looking to get into touring and you're like, I want to find out names of presenters, a great way to do that is to hunt. I hate to say that loud, but here it is. Hunt grants databases to see who's received funding in the past. Not only can you find artistic collaborators, but you can also find presenters at the regional arts organizations. You can find their names, you can see who they booked, and you can figure out maybe you're a good fit for that presenter in order to pitch your project there. Because there are plenty of producing houses out there, but presenting it's helpful once you start to connect the dots of who is looking for projects like yours to reach out to. I have a question about that because you said before that, because I was, I was trying to make sure everybody understood it wasn't just solo performance that we're talking about. We're talking about plays. We're talking about all sorts of different kinds of performance. You had said even large ensembles. Are there many opportunities for, for touring of large ensemble pieces? I mean, many opportunities. They're the same probably opportunities that there are for smaller projects, right? So unfortunately, there's a finite pool of funding that I'm aware of for touring, direct support, at least through the regional arts organizations, and individuals and larger projects are seeking the same amount of funding. That said, yeah, it's absolutely less cost effective to tour big projects. And so theater and dance, to some extent, both fall into that pool where oftentimes it's just not that cost effective to create a set around potentially or do a local build, things like that. So, you know, you have to make sure that it's really a good fit for you. Internationally, there are a lot of companies, it's really worth it for them especially if the opportunity is well paid, they're going to be seen by more presenters and potentially get a lot of other additional international exposure and booking, which, for example, is the case of, is this a room? They really got a lot of international exposure with that particular show. So sometimes performances are created. People are thinking, if I'm going to tour this, how do I create it to best be toured versus producing it in a space where it's going to live? Yeah. And I also wanted to say too that, Robin, thank you for the excellent points. The other thing about touring that's very important is that you really need to have a set that's not going to be this huge circus that other places looking for to book you also are looking at what your set is. And that sometimes it's a deterrent if it's this, you know, 12 chairs, 10 tables. So I think it's important, you know, I know for the Pink Hulk, everything fits in a backpack and a carry-on. And the other thing about touring that's really important is the value that you get in so many different places. I've been in 45 different festivals over the course of the start of it. And 
I performed in a planetarium, an art gallery, a hotel room, a conference room, a 700 seat theater, a 60 seat theater. I know, I know the big cult. Yeah, I, I, I better be careful about what I said about earlier about my tagline. I promise it was a legit performance, not a peekaboo performance, but I literally, when I came out to start the show, I came out of the bathroom. That was my entrance. All seriousness, it's the most incredible thing to be able to be prepared for anything, you know, what any theater, anything, you could do it outside, inside. And that's such the benefit of touring because you become so adaptable. You're like silly putty. You can adapt to anything that comes your way. And touring is so great with that. Plus making those connections with other performers as well. And the Fringe is not just for solo shows. It's for all shows. As we know, You're in Town was part of the New York Fringe Festival. And so you never know where your show can lead when you start. Uh, the, the New York Fringe Festival. That's sad. I'm so sorry we don't have it yeah. anymore. Somebody needs to educate me on this at some point, because my awareness is that there are fewer opportunities right now in New York than there used to be in terms of festivals and places to get your work done. I want to actually move to the room right now. John Cecil? Hello. Hi, folks. I got so many questions, but I will limit it to one question. So I have a big group. We have like 11 people and we tour. And so it's pretty expensive to the venue, but we have grant money. So my two questions then real fast, though. How do you break into the college circuit? Because I've never done that. We've been contacting theaters directly. And the second question is, what about these small festivals, these small booking thingies that you mentioned? Is there anything around here? That's it. And where are you? He's from? in Texas. I'm in Texas. Yeah. And I have a, a group called Texas Comedy. So we're pretty regional. And how far are you from Houston? Oh, three hours. We do Houston in a heartbeat. We've gone yeah, nine hours before. Yeah. 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 I'll let Robin go first. And then I'll, I had some things to say as well. Yeah. I would just say that there's, in terms of booking conferences, there, Arts Midwest has kind of paused their conference and, and performing arts exchanges in the South. They've also ended their conference. So right now the biggest ones are APAP and WA. I just dropped the WA link in there. They move their conference around. It's primarily based on the West coast. But what I would say to that is that there are presenter consortia that you can do some Googling and depending on what state you're in, what region you are. And you can start to find out that there are these presenter consortia and you can find a member and a sympathetic ear. You can, some of them are more loosely organized than others, but you can potentially find out like, do you guys have pitch sessions where you pitch to each other a project? So if I get in with one of you, can you help pitch it to another potential presenter? You know, they work collaboratively in a lot of the grants, a lot of the funding opportunities are oriented in a way to motivate them to work collaboratively to book projects because that's more cost efficient for the artists and for everyone. So I would say that that's a great place to start. Texas definitely has a presenting consortia. I don't know who runs it right now, but they might rotate through. You should definitely reach out to Mid-America Arts Alliance. They're based in Kansas City, but Texas is in the region. And give them a call. Again, they're a service organization. Yes, we are funders, but we're nonprofit funders. So you can we receive public funding. You can call us. You can email us. Well, we're working from home right now. So send us an email and we'll set up a time to chat and they can tell you about who those folks might be because they probably will know and maybe they'll even do intros for you. Okay, thank yeah. you. 
Sure. And then there is actually, and I think this is the right link. I'm, I'll put it in the chat. There's actually a national association of colleges and universities for campus activities. And I think this is it. I had it in another set of notes, but N I NACA, that's correct. Is that right? Okay. That's I've, inv I've invited them in the past to come and speak. And, yeah. Uh, so great. So that's also a way to look at colleges and universities. And I think if you're such a big group, I would start with each of your own personal universities. I did my show in my university and start with what Heather mentioned too. start with who, you know, and look at the colleges and universities of all the people in your group. Also, I know Houston has a fringe. If you want to email me separately, I know there's like this fringe network. And also on Facebook, there's also fringe networks, the USA Network and World Fringe Network. And that's a great resource where you could find fringes. And I found I didn't know Borderlight Fringe. I just applied to and I was like, where's that? And it's in Cleveland. And I applied to that. And Recently, I did a podcast with a woman, the Cancer Liberation Project, and she's right outside of Cleveland. So I called her and I said, if I get into this fringe festival, you and I are going to paint the town pink. And so already I can't wait to hear back. And I wrote that in my application. I said, I already have somebody lined up who can go to the Cleveland Cancer Clinic and all the support groups and the gathering place, which is a cancer support group. We already started the work for it where I'm going to join forces with her and do some community engagement activities, not just through the show. So I'm feeling very positive about that one, especially because I already know someone there that can help me with the show. And I told that in the application. So I think it's start with who you know first. And then also, and I know this sounds old fashioned, but I'm cold calls. You know, when you contact those people, don't email, call. Right. Really, we've lost the art of phone calling. And most of the things I've gotten when I went to Portland and I aligned with this breast cancer organization called Breast Friends, I called called them just out of the blue. And I said, hi, I'm the pink Hulk. I'm coming to Portland. Let's get together and do something special. And it did. And they become friends. And I've been a keynote speaker at their conferences. So you never know what that leads to. And that was a phone call, me just Googling going, hmm, where's some cancer organizations in Portland, Oregon. So I think there has to be a bit of aggressiveness in a good way. Okay. Take a breath. <laughs> Great, thank you. No, I'm excited. I'm you just you just did a 10 minute monologue. <laughs> it's like, oh in, in three minutes. In three minutes. So I don't see other questions from the room, but I actually wanted to see whether Jane Dubin would come in. And Jane, do you know about the development process for Is This a Room? Were you aware of all that? Not really. I first saw it at the Vineyard, so I hadn't been involved before that. So Robin, do you know the development of Is This a Room was the Vineyard earlier? Was that as a result of the tours that it did? Well, it started in a small downtowny, and then it went to oh, the vineyard okay. and then it went to Broadway. But you're saying that you're aware of it having gotten some support for touring. Did I misunderstand that earlier? Oh yeah. It got for international touring. It's received two grants and then one of them got canceled because they got the Broadway show. And so they canceled that grant. And then now that Broadway you know, they're off Broadway now, they're going to go back on the road touring it. And so they've applied again and they just received another grant for support. Let me see. Do I see it? I, don't, I still don't see any questions from the room. I've got a Sue Horowitz coming in. She's going to ask something. What do you, what do you want to ask Sue? Well, I wanted to say thank you. This is a terrific 
presentation and so helpful. And since I am developing a one-woman show, me and the music director, this is perfect. Okay, so... so it's, a big, it's a big thank you for okay. bringing these people in and for sharing all that great information. Well, I'm going to thank Robin for being with us. Robin, I hope that you're glad that you came. I know that you, there was some hesitation about it. I have, I have two little kids mid-pandemic, and it's a Friday night, so it's a little tricky. That's the biggest issue, but yeah. it's been fantastic to meet you all, and I hope that we connect in the future. And You have my email. I'll drop it again in the chat. Feel free to shoot me an email if I can point you in any direction. I'm always happy to help. And the advantage of being in the room is you get the chat with all of the incredible links to, for things that can help you. Yeah, and thank you. And thank you, Robin and Bob and Heather and also Jane as well. Thank you all. And thank you for your questions. I have a show coming up March 24th. I put in the chat, new solo show. I'd love for you to come. Very and we have the benefit March 20th, everybody. So yeah. come support us. We do invite you to come spend Fridays with us for free if you can't afford anything more. We also ask to donate what you can. So uh, the donate what you can is actually what keeps us running. The fact that you show up keeps my spirit up. So I appreciate that too. So it's always good to see everyone and know that if you decide that you want to support us, you can always go to truedonate.com, T-R-U-Donate.com. If you come visit us on Fridays at five o'clock, you'll be able to access the chat and you get all this incredible information and help that people are offering each other in the chat as well. Robin Bush from Mid-Atlantic Arts, my gratitude to you for being with us. I appreciate it. And you were here to spend my birthday and I thought it was a nice present. So thank you for being here. And Valerie, my dear friend, thank you for being here as well. And Heather, who was in moments, well, no, actually, she's just on the way to her theater to be Penny Lamar. She knows that I thank her as well. And I thank Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.